The world is broken. It's divided. I mean, globally, yes, but also on a personal level, right? It seems like we can't help but hurt others and be hurt ourselves. And everyone we know, including ourselves, is carrying around some unseen hurts. And sure, you want to do something, right? But you think, what can one person do? And even if we do find like-minded people who want to fix it, what can one little group of people do? But there is hope. We can be the source of love and peace, both to each other and the world. It's why Jesus created the church. It's why Jesus gave it his Holy Spirit. So let's talk about it together. There is so much wrong like out there, right? Both large things and small things globally. There's wars going on. There's this polarization in our country. There's poverty everywhere. But personally also, there's broken relationships and, and bitterness and unforgiveness. And while we actually like look at those things, there comes th these moments where our hearts just ache for something to be different, for there to be a new solution. And we either ache and don't know what to do, or we just give up and say, oh, people are stupid anyway. But if Jesus was right about God, then the same things that break our hearts also break God's heart because he values and loves us. See, he not only knows like the global events and the things that are causing people hurt, but he intimately knows the individuals involved in those events. He knows their hearts and their hopes and their thoughts and their pains. And from the beginning, humanity has tried to do something about the pain out there and in here. Whether it's like banding together in cities and, and countries and making alliances with other groups. Whether it's uh, creating laws to make things better or getting more education or wealth or, or science and technology to help fix our pain. Or turning to romance and sex and relationships. And some of those things are great. You can alleviate some of the symptoms of our problem for a while. But more often than not, they lead to really more of the same. Why? Because the root of our problem is still there. I mean, we band together in cities and we start fighting with each other or we start fighting with other thems that have banded together, right? We think wealth will fix things, but there's never enough. We always need more. And to get more, we often have to exploit others to get it. We think technology will make this big leap for humanity, but what it seems like it's doing right now is really pushing us further apart. And we, if you've been around long enough, you know relationships don't fix the pain inside of us because if we're using relationships to fix us, then we'll just move on to one relationship after another, hurting other people and being hurt ourselves. And so many people have tried all these things and they're like, this doesn't work. So I'm going to turn to religion. I'm going to turn to the church to help alleviate my pain and hurt from whatever is out there. They turn to the church to give them the answer. But instead of the church helping... What do they find? Well, sometimes at best, they find an hour-long experience where they can try to forget their real problems for a bit, but then smack them in the face right when they get in the car. Kind of seems useless after a while of trying it. And at worst, what do they discover? They discover infighting, maybe controlling leaders. They discover judgment or endless debates about who is more right about this one thing than the other. And many people get a taste of that churchness, and they end up wanting nothing to do with it. But as we've discovered in this series, that wasn't Jesus's point to have the church. Jesus has given his church, the Holy Spirit, to give life, not just to like give us a break from real life, but to actually give life 
to a whole new way of living, to a, a new people who will show the world the love of Jesus. So where's the disconnect? How can we get back to our original purpose, our original design? Well, you and me together can be part of the real solution. I know it doesn't seem like I'm overselling it. I'm not. I'm just getting started. The solution to our division is a community of transformed Jesus followers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've heard that, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not as mystical and mysterious as some make it seem. In fact, the Apostle Paul explains it really well in his letter to the people of Ephesus, the Jesus followers of Ephesus, the book of Ephesians. Wrote it around 60 AD. As we've said before, Ephesus was this huge city, a religious center for Greek and Roman gods, especially Artemis. And Paul actually lived there for two years. And so he's writing a letter to his friends, the Jesus followers, in Ephesus. And what he does in this letter, at the beginning, he summarizes the good news of Jesus and how it, it should and can and will transform and reshape every part of our lives. So the first half of Ephesians, Paul really describes how through Jesus, this is the good news of Jesus, describes that through Jesus, through Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, God made a people for himself. And we, we studied this, how the Holy Spirit seals and marks his people. A people, as Paul says, who's made up of all races, Jew, Gentile, through the Holy Spirit. That Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners to God. They're now included as citizens, full members of God's family. And so together, all Jesus followers are being made into the temple of God, a dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And so why, Paul, Paul answers the question of why God is actually doing this, why God is creating these people. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So God's purpose in creating this new people is to display his wisdom in its rich variety, Paul says. It's uh, the word meaning kind of like intricate beauty. It's a way they just would describe a field of beautiful wildflowers. To display this wisdom to the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Most commentators on this would want to answer the question, who? Like what, what are those heavenly rulers and authorities? Well, most likely it's both angels and the evil spiritual powers. And you think, okay, now we're getting a little wacky, spiritual beings. But think about it. That's really not too much of a stretch if there's actually a spirit God out there to have other spirit beings that he kind of was in charge of and created and all that. So what Paul is saying is this unity, both between the Jews and the Gentiles together, this, these two groups becoming one new people by the Holy Spirit, shows first the angels, God's purpose to unite all of creation through and in Jesus. And it shows the evil powers that they are defeated. Through Jesus, God is turning back the tide of evil, sin, division, and death through this united, multi-ethnic new people. The church is God's announcement to all of creation that he will restore all things in Jesus. Like, do you kind of see what a big deal this is? See, God is showing the universe his power and his wisdom and his beauty and his love through his church. Meaning, church isn't just a place to go to get a break while we wait for Jesus to come back. It is, the, it is central to God's overall plan for the entire universe. I don't think I can really oversell that. And you, every one of us, is invited to be a part of that plan. 
So that's kind of the first part of Ephesians. And then Paul pivots to the second half of the letter where he explains how the church does this, how the church pierces the darkness and shows all of creation the glory, wisdom, and love of God. Therefore, he says, therefore, meaning since this is the case, since this is who you are, since this is you, this is what the church is about, therefore, I, a prisoner for, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. He's saying live, like actually, if this, since this is the case, since you are the people of God, live as the new people of God. How does the new people of God live? Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. He's saying live in love with each other. The people of God must see themselves as and live like the people of God. And so maybe you're thinking, okay, so I read that. And so it's being the people of God, like just trying to be really good and, and be nice, right? No, it's so much deeper. A little bit later, Paul, Paul goes more in depth. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. It says, throw off your sinful nature. Be renewed in your thoughts and your attitudes. That's what it means to be the people of God. See, being the people of God, it requires renewed thoughts and attitudes. See, remember from previous episodes, we can work with the Holy Spirit or we can resist him. And that's what Paul is talking about. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. And then Paul gives examples of what that, that work in you actually looks like. He says, look, instead of lying to each other, tell the truth. Instead of stealing, work hard and give generously. Instead of tearing people down with your words, build them up. Instead of bitterness, rage, anger, and harsh words and slander, be kind tender-hearted, forgiving, just as God in Christ forgave you. And then he sums all of that up. And he says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. He's saying, live a life filled with love. It's, it's like this being filled with. It's an ongoing thing. Other translations might say, live a life um, of of walking in the way of love, walking with love. Be, be being continuously filled with God's supernatural love. It's where we get the question, what does Jesus' love look like? That's what it means to walk in love. Daily we ask, what does Jesus' love in this situation look like? Scholar, scholar Gordon Fee put it this way. The mind renewed by the spirit leads us to understand that love must rule over all. And only by such a renewed mind may we discover how best to love. You say, okay, I mean, yeah, love is great. I want to live this way. But how? And this is the answer to all of it. This is really the linchpin. If we can get this next part right, I think it changes everything. A little bit later, Paul says, so because of all these things, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. How? Don't be drunk with wine. Like, don't be all filled up and controlled by wine. Instead, because, oh, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, 
singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's saying be filled. The answer to all of this is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, for some of us, when we hear that phrase, being filled with the Holy Spirit, many of us think of the examples we read in the book of Acts, like Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes on the people and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in different languages. Or when Peter's before the Jewish leaders and the Holy Spirit, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and he speaks boldly about Jesus. Or when believers are, are filled with the Holy Spirit and heal Paul's blindness. And yes, that can happen. But what Paul is talking about here is a day-to-day -day influence, a day-to-day -day filling that we need in order to renew our thoughts and attitudes and behaviors. It's something that can only be done by faith, by, by trust, by relying on, the, on God's love to shine through us. The Greek word there, which I can't really pronounce because you have to roll your R, is play, play R-O. Like that R is a roll. I can't say it. Play R-O. But that word really means to fill, to, to make complete, to be filled with, to be filled up. Uh, it's used when... The disciples first meet Jesus and their nets are filled with fish, filled with fish. It says Jesus was filled with wisdom. When Mary anointed Jesus' feet with perfume in the room, it says the room was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. It means to be filled up with the Holy Spirit, completely full of the Holy Spirit, permeated by reeking of the Holy Spirit. Like as a hand fits a glove and moves it around, we need the Holy Spirit's influence and control and filling to love God's way. And this empowering and this filling isn't like a special event or just for the special Jesus followers who really need this power. No, it's for every Jesus follower, not just a select few. It's not something we can make happen by praying really hard or loudly or whatever. It's something we allow to happen within us. An influence we allow to transform our lives and our community. Remember, we can either work with the Holy Spirit or resist him. And so what is the primary way, Paul is saying, to experience this filling of the Holy Spirit? Together. See, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a result of the continual, ongoing life of the people of God united together. So Paul lists a few examples. Both then, these examples are both the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit and what we need in order to be a filled community. It's how the Holy Spirit renews our minds and our attitudes, and, and, and it's proof that he is doing it in our community. He says, uh, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to each other. And so these would include like the psalms as we have in, in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. These psalms were always the songbook of God's people in, in the early church. And so using scripture to build each other up. Uh, it could be The hymns could be lyrical poems, right? And maybe even speaking of the good and love of God, like a, a melody in our heart that comes out in your words. Have you ever heard somebody talk about God? And it's like almost a song, the way they talk about his goodness and his love. See, corporate singing, we are talking about corporate singing. It's always been at the center of the life of the people of God. Why? Because really it's a conversation between believers, each other, and God together where the church is reminding and encouraging, mourning with each other, teaching each other, comforting each other. So this singing isn't just what we usually think it is, uh, especially if we're driving our car with, you know, the Christian radio station or whatever. It's not just a Jesus and me special time. The church singing together, it really is an 
us and Jesus time. There's nothing wrong with a Jesus and me time. Not Nothing wrong at all. But that is not the main point of our music, of our, our worship time. See, just like being the people of God is not a just a personal individual experience, so this singing is more for us together. Now, he also says that being filled with the Holy Spirit, being a community filled with the Holy Spirit, requires and leads to giving thanks for everything. He's talking about a life permeated with being thankful to God together, sharing with each other what we are thankful to God about and what, what we are thankful as a community for. And all of this is created by and evidenced by submitting to each other out of our reverence, out of our love, out of our worship for Jesus. And it, this submission thing, is an, it's an ongoing way of life. Seeing others, seeing their needs as more important than our own. It is living continually daily for the good of each other. A spirit-filled community requires spirit-filled individuals living out Jesus' love with each other. Again, scholar Gordon Fee said this, In us and in our believing communities, the spirit is at work reproducing the very life of God, so that in our present, in between the times existence, already not yet, we might live the life of the future toward which we are walking. And this is so important and so essential. It can only be done by a community of Jesus followers who are together being renewed by the filling of the Holy Spirit. So listen, the filling of the Holy Spirit isn't just for you. It's for us. The point of the Spirit empowering and transforming individual Jesus followers is so we can love each other the way God loves us. As Jesus told his first followers, your love for one another will prove to the world you are my disciples. So God's love, God's presence, God's ruach, God's power indwells and controls us as we allow him to do so. It's our choice. And it's not developed by just trying really harder or singing louder. It's given to us as we submit to the Holy Spirit more and more and as we submit to each other more and more. See, a true spirit-filled community doesn't just happen. Isn't something that is like magical and just, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened and it's reserved for the select few who, who find the secret knowledge. No, it takes patient practice, which I think can really only be done if certain virtues are developed. I think there's more than what I'm going to share with you, but here's three virtues that I'm calling the three virtues of a spirit-filled community. The first virtue, I think, is commitment. We can't bail when things get difficult. If we want to be a spirit-filled community, we can't bail when things get hard. Yes, I mean, God does move us on to different communities for different reasons, but we don't do it because things are difficult. We do it because God wants to use us to strengthen a new community. And I'm not saying stay in a toxic, unhealthy environment or church. Maybe we need to leave that toxic environment to go strengthen a healthy church that's actually doing things. But imagine if every Jesus follower was so committed to their community that God grew them in, they didn't, that they didn't really see leaving as an option unless it was like the final option of unhealthiness. They didn't see leaving as an option, but we're committed to working through hard, the hard parts of living together in our already not yet existence. I mean, friction can be an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to renew and transform us. It gives us, it gives him an opportunity to work on our hard parts and, and the parts that really need to be chiseled down. And so if you are in a Jesus-following community and you're having some friction 
or you had friction. Now you're just kind of like in this weird cold area where you kind of don't know if you see them and it's just awkward or whatever. I think Paul is saying seek restoration. Ask forgiveness for your the role you played in whatever it was. And then offer preemptive forgiveness, even if they don't ask for it. And often, I know this happens, maybe we want to reconcile and they don't. Paul answers that. He says, do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Do what you can. You can only, as I tell my kids, you can only control you. And so be committed to controlling you to for, and to seek forgiveness and restoration with each other. Commitment also means being the community becomes a priority. You're committed to being the community. See, you can't be a community if people can't rely on being with you. And that would ch- that'll change. Like the, it'll change things in us if we see this as our priority. It will change how we schedule our lives. Like we won't let ourselves become too busy in order to gather. Whatever your gathering is, you'll make sure it's a priority. It'll change how we which job opportunities we take, maybe. How we how we decide when we go on vacations or weekend getaways. It'll even change how we budget our finances. Uh, so commitment. I think the second virtue that is required for a Holy Spirit-filled community is humility. I mean, first, we need to be willing to listen to each other, learn from each other, even be corrected by each other. And as Paul says elsewhere, we no one is higher or better than anyone in this community. Remember, we are one body with many parts. Second, I think humility means being a part of the community, whatever form that takes. Being part of the community stops being about what I can get by being part of this community. Whether, whether it's like some spiritual experience for myself or I want to get more Bible knowledge or I want social time. No, being a member of, a spirit fill, being a member of the spirit-filled body of Christ means asking what can I contribute to the rest of the body? Where we view our participation as part of supporting the others. See, we need, to, we need each other in order to actually be a spirit-filled community. It becomes a priority. And then third, vulnerability. Real community takes vulnerability. Like we can't be a fear, we can't be filled together if we aren't real with each other. We have to be willing to be our true selves and not not pretend these perfect, fake, churchy versions of ourselves. We need to share our burdens if we're going to bear one another's burdens. And I know vulnerability can be scary because it leaves us open to hurt. But it's really the only true way to be a spirit-filled community is being vulnerable with, with each other. So for these three virtues, in order to like really let them sink in and see maybe how they work in our lives, here's my recommendation for this week. Read the whole chapter. I know it's a whole chapter. We can handle it. Romans 12. It really explains what it is to to have um, these virtues in the Spirit-filled community. So read Romans 12 and then pray this. Say, Holy Spirit, give me the courage to be committed, humble, and vulnerable with your people. Give me the courage to be committed, humble, and vulnerable with your people. So, how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit. The best way? Together. The world is broken. Your neighbors are broken. Your family is broken. You are broken. I am broken. We all need to know that we can be made whole again in and through the love of Jesus. See, the solution to our brokenness is to be 
a people who are renewed, transformed, and filled with the Holy Spirit together. Think about it. If, if you are part of Cross Creek or whatever, whatever church or city you are a part of, you are a part of the spiritual story of that city. For us, we are part of the spiritual story of Salem together. And when the history of what the Holy Spirit did in Salem, in our city, is written, there will be a chapter called the Church of Cross Creek, wherever you are, the church of whatever your group is. And each of us will have a paragraph devoted to our role in that story and how we loved and submitted and served to each other. See, we can be part of an amazing story, but only if we are filled with the Holy Spirit together. The world desperately needs a Holy Spirit-filled community living out the kingdom of God together. watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are still in the middle of our Holy Spirit series. There is lots of uh, YouTube videos and podcasts available for you. If you missed any of the other messages in this series, you can also hear these in person at 4.30 on Sundays. We have in-person connect groups that happen during the week throughout Salem. And if you're interested in joining one of those, you can email us at info at yourcrosscreek.com. We are a nonprofit 501c3 organization and the only way we survive is off your monthly gifts. So if you're interested in finding out more about how to give, you can look at the link on the screen or it's yourcrosscreek.com slash donate. Thanks so much. Have a great week and we'll see you in person on Sunday.